Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about finding freedom from an unhealthy relationship with food. Who can relate? For some of us, our relationship with food can just be a constant source of regret or frustration and shame. For others, it feels like a God-given blessing. Well, our guest today, Aaron Davis, author of the new book, Fasting and Feasting, 40 Devotions to Satisfy the Hungry Heart, has experienced all sorts of complicated responses to food. She's discovered that God's word celebrates food as a gift while simultaneously inviting us to surrender every area of our lives, including what we put on our plates. Aaron will share with us how to join in the biblical rhythms of fasting and feasting. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, is your church group looking for a new turnkey program that you can quickly and easily put in place? Well, we have just the opportunity for you. Coffee and Bible Time has created two new teaching courses on how to pray using our prayer journal and how to pray using our prayer binder. We modeled these teaching courses after a live event that we conducted for a group of 100 women and girls in Austin, Texas. Unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, this cut off our ability to do live teaching. But the blessing that came out of that time was that we now have available video teaching that can be utilized by anyone, anywhere, at any time. In one course, Ashley teaches how to pray using the prayer journal, and in the other course, Mentor Mama teaches how to pray using the prayer binder. All you need to do to implement a program like the one we conducted live in Texas is to purchase one of our video teaching courses along with the number of either prayer journals or prayer binders for each participant in your group. This program is ideal for moms groups, women's ministry events, young adults groups, middle school and high school groups, or even small groups. And for a limited time, we have a special offer for our podcast listeners. Buy either nine prayer journals or prayer binders and get the 10th one free using the promo code PODCAST on our website at coffeeandbibletime.com. Erin Davis is a writer and teacher passionately committed to getting women of all ages to the deep well of God's word. She is the author of more than a dozen books and Bible studies, including Connected, Seven Feasts, and Beyond Bath Time. Erin serves as the content director for Revive Our Hearts and hosts the Women of the Bible podcast and Grounded Videocast. You can hear her teach on the Deep Well with Erin Davis podcast. And when she's not writing, you can find Erin chasing chickens and children on her small farm in the Midwest. Her new book, Fasting and Feasting, just released nationwide on September 6th. Please welcome Erin. 
Thanks for having me. I love the name of this podcast, Coffee and Bible Time. I'm in it. It's my favorite things. (laughs) (laughs) Two of my favorite things for sure. Well, Erin, it's just such a joy to have you on our podcast. You know, all three of us here, Ashley Taylor, myself, have all struggled with our share of food-related issues. So I was just so excited to learn more about what you have to say on this topic and just how you have so beautifully woven in um, the scriptures to helping us through this. So tell us, what inspired you to to write Fasting and Feasting? Well, I think most of us have of a complicated relationship with food. And I just kind of got tired of that. I mean, I love food. If I uh, had to have a day off, you're going to find me spending it in the kitchen. I love to bless people with food. We all love to gather around food, but then there's kind of this other set of emotions of embarrassment or shame or frustration, feeling out of control And that's generational in my family. You talked about it being something that you share with your girls. I can look at my mom, my grandma and see these complexities. And, you know, I read the Bible as if it's true because it is. And Mm -hmm. I read the Bible as if it's a manual for actual practical lives because it is. And so I just thought, man, it can't be the case that God created food, which he did. That God created our need for food, which he did, and he determined how often we would need it. I don't know if you know this, but there's some creatures like cave-dwelling olms who only have to eat once a decade. We, on the (laughs) other hand, have to eat, you know, every day. And then for us to just be constantly in a battle with it, that Mm. there's got to be something more. Mm. And scripture, I guess I just missed the theme of food that's throughout the whole Bible. I mean, think about Genesis the forbidden fruit. Think about revelation, the feast of the lamb. Think about everything in between the Israelites complaining about their leeks and garlic that they're missing in Egypt, the loaves and the fishes, the last supper. I mean, food is everywhere in scripture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I finally just was like, okay, Lord, show me the better way. Show me the way to not constantly feel like this is an area of my life that I just am never going to have control over. And he's so faithful. So um, that became this fascination for me with fasting, for one thing, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But the Bible doesn't just talk about fasting. It talks about feasting. And I found these kind of dual rhythms. I think God cares a lot about the daily rhythms of our lives, rhythms like rest, rhythms like fellowship, and I think our food rhythms. I think it's all there in scripture for us to uh, partake in and learn from. Oh, it absolutely is. And you've done it so, so beautifully in your book. Well, what advice would you give to someone who's just struggling to find a connection between their relationship with God and their relationship with food? Well, this is going to sound like the Sunday school answer, but it is the right answer. And that is that I would just look at Jesus, start in the gospels. Jesus was a man with a digestive tract. Um, with, uh, with taste buds, with the need to eat just like we did. And, and we also see some really unique approaches to food in Jesus's life. We see Jesus, for example, fasting for 40 days before he launched his ministry. That's enough reason for me to want to fast just because Jesus did it. That's enough reason for me to want to do lots of things because I'm to model him, but we also see him feasting with his friends really regularly. 
that's something that we kind of lost in COVID. We haven't made our way back to gathering around each other's tables, but it was something that Jesus did really, really regularly. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, I don't get it. My food and my faith are very disconnected. I think recognizing that's really important. I made the mistake for years. There's a little verse where Paul says something like physical exercises of some value, spiritual exercises of greater value. That's the Aaron Davis paraphrase, but <laughs> I wrongly interpreted that to mean I should not care anything about my body. I should spend all my time caring about my spiritual self. Well, I happen to live inside a body and that got me very, very sick and very, very tired. So I would just invite the Lord into that part of your life. He already knows and just say, Hey, Jesus, I don't really know how to be faithful to you in my food rhythms. Help me. And that's why we have the Holy spirit to guide us. And then look at his own life. You're going to get some really practical tips from just watching Jesus and his lifestyle when it came to food. Yes, absolutely. And I love how in your devotional, you really give people that response time to reflect on those questions, those types of questions that you just mm -hmm. asked. So that will definitely help people in the process of sort of putting those two together. Well, you share a glimpse into your own complicated relationship with food. What was your first step towards freedom in this area of your life? I think it was just taking Jesus at his word. I mean, Galatians tells us it's for freedom's sake that he set us free. Now, the context of that, of course, is he's talking about the law versus grace, but they're dancing around an issue that is a very practical issue in that book. And Paul's saying, hey, Jesus died to make you free so that you could live free. So if food is an area of your life where you do not feel free, you feel bondage, fear, regret, shame, embarrassment, those, or sometimes you feel those things, then the first step is to say, okay, that's like a warning light on the dash of your car. I'm not in freedom here. This is an area where I need the Holy Spirit to invade. And I believe that he wants to. I also, this is going to feel like maybe going from zero to 60. But for me, it started with fasting. Fasting is a discipline that we see throughout all of scripture. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Jesus fasted. I already mentioned that. The disciples fasted. The early church leaders fasted. So like all of our heroes, they fasted. Um, and so just exploring that discipline. And I started to involve it in my life in pretty incremental ways. I didn't really know anybody who was talking about fasting. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but that's why I had the Holy Spirit. That's why I get to abide like Jesus told me to. So I just would say, okay, Jesus, I see fasting in your word. I want to try it. What's, what's that look like for me? And I just got to tell you, the Holy Spirit is the best coach in every area of your life. So I'd encourage you to dip that toe in the water because the feasting piece of the puzzle, I think we pretty much understand <laughs> uh, and do pretty well, uh, yes. but it, it has a counterbalance. So it is a, the Christian life is a life of abundance and blessings and thanksgiving. Absolutely. But it's also a life of self-denial, of sacrificing, of saying the things of this world actually don't satisfy me. Increase my hunger for you, Lord. That's the fasting piece. So I would just encourage you, uh, ask the Lord if he would have you to fast. Mm -hmm.
Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. What a great suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fasting, I think, is something that maybe a lot of people just aren't that familiar with. Right. Um, I know in your book, you talked about kind of a juice fasting. Did you have anything you'd like to share as it relates to some things that you yeah, do practically everybody speaking? wants to know the practical. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say this, in scripture, fasting is not a formula. When you read your Bible, you're going to see some people fasted for X amount of days. Some fat people fasted longer or shorter. Some people did eat some kinds of foods and not other kinds of foods. Jesus in his 40 day fast it, scripture appears to indicate he had nothing at all. Of course, he's God. Um, mm-hmm. But like Daniel comes to mind, he said, I'm not going to eat the food at the king's table. We would now call that whole 30. He basically was going to eat uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, so there's variety. And I think we should really key in on that because we want the checklist, right? Especially as women, I think Mm -hmm. we just, we just want to get it right. We want to know what the rules are. We'll check it off our list. We'll stay in the box if someone gives it to us, but by design, that's not what God gives us with fasting. So, uh, and it's also for us as new Testament followers of Christ, never mandatory. There are times in the old Testament where God would command all of Israel to fast. That's not the case for us. It's a gift not a have to, it's a get to, not a have to. Um, So take those two things in mind. But, and there's another thing in Matthew, Jesus says, you know, when you fast, go in your room and close the door. So I think one reason we don't talk a lot about fasting is we think we're not supposed to ever talk about fasting. I don't actually think that's the spirit of what Jesus was saying there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about fasting. Uh, I'm not bragging about my fasting report card or anything like that. No such thing exists, but I have done two 40 day fasts. The first was when I was launching the women's ministry at my own church, I was so aware of my own neediness and I knew that I couldn't build a women's ministry. I needed the Lord. So I fasted for 40 days and I just had liquids, things like beef broth, chicken broth, and juice, um, for those 40 days. Women always want to know next, did you lose a ton of weight? No, I didn't. That's just not how my body works. So it wasn't for that anyway. Um, And then my 40th birthday was in 2020. And if I lived to an average age, that was a halfway mark. And I just wanted to re-surrender myself to the Lord. I wanted to know, what do you have for me? How how can I serve you in greater ways? So I fasted the 40 days before my 40th birthday. Same thing, liquids only. So it took some prep work. It took involving my family. I couldn't keep it a secret. I'm a mom. I wasn't certainly wasn't serving chicken broth to everyone for 40 days. That yes. <laughs> uh, so it took some planning and there's different ways to do it. I often will hear from women who'll say, oh, I just can't do that medically. 
great. That's good news that it's not a formula then, but ask the Lord. He might ask you to cut sugar. He might ask you to cut one meal a week. Um, in my experience, the Holy spirit helps me map what it looks like each time. So you can trust him. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Those are awesome. It's just interesting to hear how, how different people do it differently. Yes, like you said, is. there isn't a formula. Yeah. Well, how does embracing theology transform kind of what you say, the mundane into the miraculous? Mm, what a great question. I once heard a pastor say, the Lord must care about the mundane because there sure is a lot of it. And I immediately <laughs> thought about laundry when he said that. I thought, oh, Jesus cares about my laundry. But food, I mean, food, really, it's pretty mundane. Every day, you've got to feed your body. You've got to figure out how to feed your family. You've got to figure out how to get the groceries in the fridge if you don't have any. You've got to decide if you're going to eat at home or drive through. You've got to decide how food impacts your budget. It's, it is a daily thing that we're interacting with, but scripture tells us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. So we kind of constantly need to be asking ourselves the question, what does doing the Bible mean in this context? What does it mean to actually live out what I say or what I read, what God says rather? For me, one of the biggest takeaways, and this is going to feel so elementary, but it's been revolutionary for me, is just to delight in food. It's not a monster I have to tame. It's not my enemy. It's a gift that God has given me every day. And, um, you know, he could have had it so we just ate oatmeal all day, every day. That, there could have been one kind of food. I like oatmeal. I like it really when it's doctored with raisins and brown sugar and all that stuff. But uh, if I'm being honest, right. but I don't want to eat it every day. But I want to look. I I should look this up after this conversation. I want to know how many varieties of apples there are. There's got to be hundreds yes. of varieties of just apples. Yes. Or berries, or the fact that food is seasonal. You know, we're in pumpkin spice season right now, and that's something we all look forward to. That God has given us tremendous variety. He's given us um, sour and sweet and, and hot and cold and different textures. And I don't know, before I studied food in scripture, I just totally took that for granted. And if I were to finish this conversation with you and walk into my kitchen and open those refrigerator doors, I'd find cherry tomatoes that my friend Carrie dropped off for me. I'd find milk. I'd find hot dogs. I'd find some healthy stuff. I'd find some not so healthy stuff. And it's all from the Lord. He's given it all to me as a gift. So it does, I think, become miraculous when you realize, oh, in this everyday thing of food, God is showing me his character, that he is creative, that he cares about me, that he loves me, that he wants to give me good gifts. That's all on your plate every single day. That's been a big epiphany for me. Yes, yes. And I, in one of your devotionals too, you just talk about um, just remembering that each of those is a blessing and mm. being thankful. And that is so important and something that we just, we do, we take it for granted. Um, yeah. And I think one thing that I kind of have learned through the gardening process 
And this is kind of crazy because I I love tomatoes and I grew these tomato plants this summer mm. and I had made a salad and I saw like a big chunk of like nice looking tomato just sitting at my daughter's plate and she wasn't going to finish it. <laughs> and I was like, are, are, are you not going to eat that? that, that <laughs> I grew that. <laughs> I, exactly. Like, I think when you realize how much goes into like mm -hmm. growing them from seed and all the different steps and watering and you can't miss, you know, like, oh, yeah. And keeping the squash bugs away. And I mean, it, effort goes into food. We do miss that in our culture. You know, we get our bread in a bag, we get our produce at the store. So we kind of miss the miracle of it all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And just that it truly is a gift. You already know that we at Coffee and Bible Time strive to help people delight in God's word. That's why we love Alabaster and their inspiring Bibles. In addition to the visually appealing design, these Bibles are an engaging way to delve deep into God's word. You can purchase books of the Bible individually or in bundles. Either way, your faith is sure to flourish. Alabaster Company has perfectly designed an intersection of creativity, beauty, and faith in each and every book. Use our promo code CBTPROMO or find our link below to get 10% off your order and let's experience God's beauty together. Well, in your book, um, you offer a prayer guide at the end of each devotional. Tell us why you think prayer is just so important when it comes to fasting and feasting and finding freedom. Well, prayer is our two-way communication with the Lord. He's given us his word, um, which is him, you know, downloading his character to us. Um, but prayer we speak, we listen, we speak, we listen. And so it's such an important conduit for all of life. And I have a, I have a sweet friend uh, who's lost 60 pounds by simply praying in a more intentional way before she preps her meal. Lord, what is it that you would have me to eat today? And that feels like, really, does God really care about what I put on my plate for every meal. I mean, doesn't, aren't, isn't he dealing with wars around the globe? But yeah, both are true. He cares about the very details of our lives. Scripture says, whether you eat or drink, do everything for the glory of God. It's mm -hmm. not an accident that food was what was chosen there to illustrate that every part of your life has one mission and that is to glorify God. So I think many of us have never prayed about food. I mean, we bless the food at the table with our family and that's such a beautiful rhythm, but in a, in a way that where we're inviting God to speak back to us about our food. And for me, um, I, I was struggling with some kind of like besetting sins, uh, irritability with my family. I was just so irritable and I didn't want to be, I have four precious sons. I have a husband who I adore. I certainly don't want to tear them down in any way, but I was just kind of constantly praying like, Lord, help me not be so irritable. I'm so irritable. And I just felt like the Holy spirit put his finger on two food rhythms that I had. And this may not be yours, but these were mine which was I had a serious caffeine addiction mm. and I had a sugar addiction. 
And once I surrender those things to the Lord and not in a legalistic way, I'm not going to go to heaven because I cut coffee and sugar out of my life. I wasn't going to go to hell because I was drinking coffee and sugar. It's not mm-hmm. a salvation issue, mm-hmm. sanctification issue. But once I was obedient, I was a lot less irritable. Those stimulants were causing a reaction in my body that wasn't good for me. And it took me praying about sin and listening to really understand that. So the way that the prayers are divided in the book are, Lord, I've set the table. Please bring the feast. And isn't that the Christian life? Lord, I've brought what I can. It's only ever loaves and fishes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a woman of flesh. I often say I can't even drink enough water in a day, much less can I image the holy God, but um, I'll bring what I can. I'll bring my mustard grave faith. I'll bring my willingness to obey. And then you bring the feast. And he does. He does it over and over and over again. So I think that everyone listening, if they will invite the Lord into their food life, if they'll merge their prayer life and their food life, I think you'll be surprised at what you hear from the Holy Spirit in your heart. Yes, absolutely. I I know I've been through that whole caffeine addiction thing as well. And and I I did actually go off caffeine. And it's funny because people say, you know, we've been laughed at like in lines at restaurants. So my daughters don't drink it either now. And they'll we'd like, oh, we'd like a decaf. We're like all excited for our decaf cappuccino. And they're like, we had this one guy in the morning is like, are you guys crazy? And it's like, (laughs) no, we're like true coffee people because we even drink decaf. And it's right. We're in it for the flavor. Yeah, we love it. (laughs) Um, But no, actually what I loved about your, the beginning of your devotional was that you do ask us to search our hearts or have God search our hearts for things that we do need to surrender. And I know for Mm. sure that got me thinking that got me thinking as well um yeah i actually in the process of writing this book went into a full-blown health crisis involving my heart my kidneys it was a it was a major systems failure and there were lots of factors but i spent a lot of time in doctor's office offices and they kept talking to me about food um they were talking about salt intake and my weight and was i using food as a stress mechanism and um they were talking about other things too exercise and those kinds of things but i could not deny that by the choices i had made in putting things into my mouth i had thrown my body into a tailspin listen i'm a mom of four boys 4 to 14 i got no business uh burning out in my 40s i had to decide okay I haven't stewarded this well, Lord. And when I don't steward my body well, I can't steward the other things you've given me well. It's hard for me to steward the children you've given me. It's hard for me to steward the ministry opportunities you've given me. The stakes had to get really, really high for me to pay attention, but I am paying attention now. And I do want to be a good steward. I actually write on my to-do list every single week, take care of your body. You only get one. And there's lots of ways to take care of my body, but a big piece of it is food. So again, this is my broken record. I'm going to keep playing it. Ask the Lord. He's going to show you. It might not be the same thing for you as it was for me. Um, but I, I can say from experience, the Lord invading my food has made a big difference in my whole life. 
Oh, that's amazing. Well, I know addictions, like other addictions, you know, as you mentioned in your book, like, you know, giving up cigarettes or, but food is like something you literally just can't entirely give up. You right. have to learn how to be in relationship to it. Yep. So um, I, could, I really appreciate all of your uh, different devotions that help us do that. Well, um, to elaborate maybe a little bit more, how has this journey sort of changed the way your whole family relates to food? It has. I mean, I food is my love language. It's I want to bless my family with food. It has been how I've shown them that I'm thinking of them our whole lives. It's how you know, I'm a sympathetic baker. If you got a death in your family, you're going to get some food from me. Uh, I don't always know what to do, but I do know I can do something. And that hasn't really changed. I mean, food is so central to our lives. Um, and I think that's by design. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. Um, but we do need to make peace with it. So my husband and I both have had to realize we, we had made chronic bad choices in the area of food. We're also on this terrible ride of we're going to try again tomorrow or try again Monday. And ugh, I just don't want to live my Christian life that way. I don't want my children to see me living that way. I want to walk in freedom. So we are eating much healthier than we were even a year or two ago. And nobody's complaining. What I found is the healthy food was there all along. Um, and it's yummy. In one of those doctor's appointments, I said to uh, my OBGYN, I just, I feel terrible all the time. Nothing is like nothing's bad in my blood work. I don't have cancer. I just feel icky. And she began to talk to me about food. And what she said was the more of the junk you eat, the more of the junk you're going to crave, but the more of the good stuff you eat, the more of the good stuff you're going to crave. And she was so right. And so now after we have this conversation, I'm going to hang up with you and go have a salad. And I've been thinking about that salad all morning. I can't <laughs> wait to eat that salad for lunch because my cravings have shifted. And that's something that happens in the physical that I think mirrors a truth in the spiritual. The more I read my Bible, the more I want to read my Bible, the more I fellowship with God's people, the more I want to fellowship with God's people. So um, our family has just embraced this idea that food is fuel food is a gift. Food is something that God wants us to steward so that we can do all things. Well, does that mean that my children never have a cookie? No, it doesn't. Does it mean I never have a cookie? No, it doesn't. But we are asking this question. Do I really want what this is going to make me feel like if I make the donut run, I can do that in Christian freedom. I can have a donut if I want to, but do I really want how that's going to make me feel an hour later? I don't. So we come up with a substitute that's yummy. So it's been, it's been a pretty exciting adventure to have my family on. And my boys are little, some of them are four, nine, 12, and 14. And they've said, mom, we're so proud of you, mom. We can see you're making changes. So it's been sweet. Oh, that's so awesome. It's interesting how we, many of us have some crossroads with health. For me, it was an autoimmune disease that mm. really, got me into this educational search of, of the impact that food truly does have on your body and, yeah. and wanting it and, and how nutrient dense and fulfilling God's foods are for us. Mm -hmm. And they are satisfying. They don't leave us, um, you know, desperate for one more bite. You know, yep. they are very satisfying. 
Well, um, as it relates to some of the biblical examples in scripture, can you share with us some of those and um, that use food to help illustrate spiritual principles? Well, the one you just mentioned has been blowing my mind over and over, which is those foods that satisfy me that I don't immediately want more, more, more of. Uh, those are the foods that are good for me. And isn't that true in the spiritual life? I love to read my Bible in the morning, but I don't close my Bible and immediately feel like I need to open it again and then open it again, open it again in the way I do with like my Instagram. So there's something going on. There's a disconnect there. Those things that God has for us, his best for us, they do truly satisfy us. And then there's this whole long list of substitutes that are not going to satisfy us, at least not in the long term. And God told us that he told us he was the bread of life. He told us that if we came to him as thirsty people, he was going to satisfy that thirst forever. He told us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to be filled. So there's a pattern there that we experience in our food rhythms that's pointing to those spiritual truths. But again, I just think Jesus is the best example for this. Think of those loaves and fishes, you know, a little boy brought a lunch, few loaves of few fish, few loaves of bread. I tend to think a mama must have packed that lunch. So I like to give her credit. <laughs> uh, my boys would not pack a lunch that good. Um, but what did Jesus do? He multiplied it. He multiplied it. He multiplied it. There was abundance. There's always abundance with the Lord. I was in Genesis one today and I circled how many times Genesis one says expanse over and over and over. It's like, God created this expansive universe. And um, I think God wants expansive goodness for us, his children. And so even that story of that abundance, those leftovers, you remember, they collected it, mm -hmm. them up because God made more than they needed. That yes. has something to teach us about his character. And I think in our broken, sinful natures, we tend to operate out of scarcity. We worry that we're not going to have enough. My boys do this every day, which cracks me up because they've never gone hungry. They're <laughs> like, what's for breakfast? What's for lunch? What's for dinner? What's for after dinner snack? Are we, you know, they're just yeah. like always wanting to know. Well, they, that's, that's scarcity in them. They're worried. And we do that with the Lord, but he shows us, Hey, I can take just a little bit and I can make it more than you would ever hope for. So I think we learn a lot from just his own approach to food. And he was constantly inviting us to feast, constantly inviting sinners to feast. Think about the woman at the well. That's actually a food situation too. They were at that well to get the water that they needed. And Jesus goes to her and says, let me satisfy you. The feast of the lamb in Revelation that I cannot wait to be at. What will the food taste like yeah, in heaven? Yes. There's going to be food in heaven for one thing. So yes. that's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. So I just think there's lots of examples of the goodness of God, the abundance of God, the graciousness of God, the invitation of God to join him at the table all throughout scripture with all these different metaphors and stories that really did happen. I think of, uh, was it Peter that had the vision of all the different kinds of foods coming down on a sheet? And he, yes. God said, don't call unclean what I've called clean. In other words, this is good. Embrace it. Enjoy it. I have good things for you. So I just think if all we get from food is that God is good and that he is a God of abundance, that's a good place to start. Yes, oh, absolutely. 
it kind of reminds me of something that I, I feel like in my life over and over again, a theme that always comes up is that God always exceeds my expectations. Oh, yeah. And he truly, truly does. Well, um, Aaron, what what's your hope for people who are reading this book? I have two hopes, really. I was teaching uh, a group of women several years ago, and I had them write down their greatest area of sin struggle. What are those areas of your life where you feel like you just can't get free? And I took all those cards back to my hotel room that night and read them. And by a landslide, the issue women wrote about most often was their relationship with food. And I literally wept in that hotel room that night for a couple of reasons. Cause I thought, oh no, we don't even understand what sin is. You know, I, I think that you could struggle with self-control in this area of your life for sure. And we've been talking about how it might be an area where the Lord wants to do something, but you eating a cookie is not a sin and it does not put distance between you and the Lord. So there was that just like, oh man, I want women to understand what Jesus really says, but I also want women to be free. I want us to be a generation of women who doesn't pass on those generational patterns. You know, my mom was on every kind of diet. My grandma was on every kind of diet. I think I told this story in the book. My grandma in the fifties ate a tapeworm. There was no FDA, but she ate a tapeworm on purpose to lose weight. That's how far we can go into bondage on this issue and bragged about it for years. Like I got thin. I'm like, yeah, you had a parasite. Um, so there are, uh, we, I don't want to pass that on to the next generation, but the other thing is this, I've been kind of grabbed by this thought. What would happen if the church in 2022 fasted and prayed Mm. in scripture? What we see is when God's people fast and pray, if you don't fast and pray, you're just not eating. But when we fast and pray, God moves. It's not like we twist God's arm. It's not like our prayers have more punch when we fast. I don't even understand all the whys of how it works, but it does. And so the world is on fire in some ways, literally. We are seeing that our systems cannot save us. Uh, Our politics cannot save us. Mm -hmm. We need to see the hand of God. And what would happen if the church fasted and prayed? And if I could be part of calling the church to fast and pray, well, I could go to glory happy. That's it. I don't have to write another book. Um, (laughs) I just want to see what God does with that idea that we would surrender ourselves. Fasting is an act of humility. It's an act of denial that we would surrender ourselves and say, Lord, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha, we need you. Uh, and that we would, you know, back that up with fasting. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Aaron, how can people find out more information about you and your book? Yeah. Uh, fasting and feasting is how you can go straight to this book. If you want it, Aaron Davis.org is where you can find out about my other books. And I teach on a podcast called the deep. Well, I actually have a season about fasting and feasting coming out in October. My goal there is a lot like your goal. I'm just trying to get women into the nooks and crannies of their Bible mm-hmm. to understand that it is more mysterious and more majestic than they ever could have imagined. So we're always taking, going off road in our Bible, so to speak. And uh, it's again, it's called the deep well.
<laughs> I love that. All right, so before we go, we have to ask some of our favorite questions here. What Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? I love my ESV. It's right here handy with me. And why I love it is it has these wide margins. And so I just love to fill those up. It, the book of James actually fell out of it a few years ago. Oh. So I thought I was going to have to give it up, but a friend <laughs> saw me teaching. She took it and had it rebound for me. So James is oh. back where he belongs. Um, oh. And what a good thing to have the pages falling out of your Bible, but ESV yes. with the wide margins. Yes. That's a great translation. Uh, do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Oh man. I love paper mate flare pens. I got one right here. These are my pen of choice. Sometimes people suggest another pen to me. No, these are the ones. Uh, I love them. My husband buys me boxes of a paper mate flares instead of roses because I go through them pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they don't bleed through. They just write so smooth. I, I can tell you are too. I'm a write in my Bible girl. Oh yeah. Um, I want to just get myself down there and engage with it. So uh, love those pins and love those Bibles where there's lots of room to write. Yes. And they're very highly pigmented, great colors. Yep. Good, great yep. for journaling. Well, what is your favorite app? or website for Bible study tools? Mm, I love Dwell. I don't know if you guys listen to Dwell, but um, it has all kinds of great plans. That's my in the morning while I'm fixing my hair. I'm usually listening to Dwell. Highly recommend it. Oh, awesome. Well, Erin, thank you so much for being here today to share with us about your, your book and how it can help us all with our relationship with food and just how that all connects with our relationship to God. So we just thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Aaron's new book, Fasting and Feasting. You can find the link in our show notes. And also be sure to head over to our blog where you can share your comments with us on this podcast. And lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.